Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 22nd, 2023. Hope everybody's having a good morning this morning. It is a Wednesday, which is a little bit unusual for us to broadcast on, but it is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and so we're doing a Wednesday show, and there won't be a later in the week show except for the BitCast, which of course is every Sunday. If you are interested in joining us for that, for good fun, good friends, good talking about video games and other things, a lot of candy corn talk of late, but Hey, it's the BitCast. Today we're doing Hangouts and Headlines, and I want to do a hangout with you first to talk about where you're calling in from, what you're looking forward to on Thanksgiving, what, if any, preconceptions you have about the story we're going to talk about today, which is with respect to generative AI, general artificial intelligence, Sam Altman, OpenAI, and the rest, which, as expected, did have a news item break overnight, so we'll be having a different ending to this video than I had planned yesterday, but... I knew that going in, so it'll be a fun one today. What are you all into? What are you talking about? What are you watching? What are you having fun with? Let me know. I love hearing from all of you. Uh, Against the Tide says, BitCast makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing quite like people being angry about Cracker Barrel or discussing the merits of candy corn or otherwise thinking that they found themselves on a food podcast when we're supposed to be talking about video games to make you laugh. Newt says we're back to hat hog. Yeah, I, I go on and off with the hats, but usually I will broadcast with a hat. That's the way I like to look on these videos. So there we go. Tracy G, good morning. So curious, this whole thing, and no one wants to answer why he was fired in the first place. Yep, very true. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that is. We're going to talk about a little bit with respect to the corporate governance structure of OpenAI and how a not-for-profit works differently than a profit corporation and why some people might choose that structure, but how it actually provides perhaps less protection than we would like. Uh, let's see. Kelly says, love the BitCast. Great. Happy to see you there on Sundays. I love to do the BitCast. It's a lot of fun. Stacy says, morning from Long Beach, California. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody here. If I don't say it again in this video, if you're in the United States, have a wonderful Thanksgiving tomorrow. Hopefully you have fun with friends and family and have a lot to give thanks for in 2023. I know I do. Uh, so have a great holiday, everyone. Definitely. And I'll hopefully remember to say that again at the end. Papa Rick says, good morning. Good morning, Papa Rick. Diana B says, hi, everyone here in the dark Washington state. Yeah, it's got to be dark now. It's six in the morning over there, right? So hi, everyone in Washington. Bibby Meatball says, good morning from New York City. Good morning, New York City. This is where my daughter would say greatest city in the world because she's a big Hamilton fan. <laughs> Good morning, Dragon's Angel. Hi, Carolyn. Oh, hi, Shireen. Hi, everybody. Jen K is playing Hogwarts and headed to Universal for the day tomorrow in North Carolina. And warmest holiday wishes to you and the other Hogs. Hearts emoji, hearts emoji. Thank you, Jen K. I hope you're having a fun time playing Hogwarts Legacy. It's a great game that came out this year. Didn't get nominated for any awards, but obviously Hogwarts takes its own baggage with it when looking at folks that are voting on awards like that um here's co-counsel also doing hamilton when i say greatest city in the world so there you go that's hogue house that's my life kelly asks hogue have you seen ian's stream last night about the people suing activision and epic about having great games i watched little bits of ian and kurt i think talking about that lawsuit uh, it might be one that I cover in this space. I thought they were having a fun conversation about it. Essentially, 
there is a family group suing over the fact that the games are made too addictive or too attractive to their kids and they're spending money, et cetera. We've gone over some of those topics in virtual legality before, uh, but certainly a new lawsuit is worth mentioning and Ian and Kurt have a good conversation about it as I saw earlier. So please do check that out. Ian is Runkle of the Bailey. Uh, if you don't know him or you haven't seen him on the channel, he's got a lot of good legally minded and games related stuff on his channel as well. So Runkle of the Bailey is a great, great place to check out if you're interested in the stuff we talk about here. Uh, Papa Rick also says happy early Thanksgiving to everyone. Yep. Thanksgiving coming up here in the United States. Good day for food and football, friends and family. All the F's, all the F's that people have to give, they go to Thanksgiving. All right. P. Beach says, this is a good surprise. I would love to hear your input on this. I'm going to talk about it. I promise. We're just doing a little hangouts first, but we're going to talk about OpenAI. I think generative AI is one of the more interesting stories of the year, and I haven't gotten a chance to talk about it in this space so much. Uh, and so I do want to talk about it because it's been a very weird weekend for OpenAI. Robbie Dobby says, I'm Canadian, so they had Thanksgiving last month, but don't need a holiday to say that I am thankful for you, Rick, and for this community. Heart emoji. Thank you, Robbie. I really appreciate it. I'm so thankful to be here and for all the people that helped make it possible for me to be here this year after a rough early start to the year. And I am so thankful to the community and everyone that does these hangouts and headlines with me and all the live streams that we do on the channel now because it makes it so much more fun. And it makes it so much more engaging to actually be able to answer questions that people might have as I do the videos, as I make the discussions. And I really enjoy that. So thank you so much, Robbie. I'm thankful for you and the community as well. Midnight Dreary is also playing Hogwarts and loving it. It is a very uh, in-depth, detailed wizard life simulator. So if you're interested in the wizarding world and Hogwarts and Harry Potter, it is a game that is second to none in putting you in that world. So if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check it out. Brit, AI is inevitable. I, for one, welcome our AI overlords. They will never find anything in my electronic fingerprints that say I do not. LMAO. Thank you, Brit, and thank you for the super chat. Yes, well, we'll talk about the inevitability of AI and certainly what OpenAI is doing, what ChatGPT is doing, as against what I think people are afraid of with respect to AI what is generally called on the internet Skynet. For those not familiar, that's from the Terminator franchise in which a uh, artificial intelligence in the future creates machine robots to take over the planet and send some traveling through time. So all the science is up to snuff in that movie series and we should definitely worry about it entirely. But we'll talk about that more in a second. June B says, morning from Colorado, making dolls for the nieces. That sounds awesome. Good for you, June. Thank you so much for chatting in. Traveling Science Band says, Hogue, they stole your format. What, Ian and Kurt? Oh, I mean, they're talking about a lawsuit. My my format is to talk about news items and legal matters with respect to everything. So if they did one on video games, Ian and Kurt are great people to talk to about these things. So I would never view that as stealing anything. And I think they could definitely share insights that I wouldn't necessarily have. So check them out. Diana B, we in that chat of Runkle, if gaming is addictive, we are starting a class action on LawTube being so addictive. Oh, I see. Yes. Well, I, I think the, the lawsuit itself talks about certain psychological things, Skinner boxes and whatnot, that might have more legal 
purchase, if you will, than just me talking and hopefully being a fun person to listen to and to chat with in the, in the community. But I do understand your point. Video games are popular and fun. And if that goes beyond what the law allows, then there are a lot of things that could get into trouble as well. The angry Latina lawyer says, morning from Colorado, wore my reasonable minds can differ sweater for a team meeting this week. That is fantastic. And we do have an update on the store that co-counsel is responsible for that we're going to talk about a little bit in today's video. We'll get to that in just a minute, but there's a lot of fun stuff. If anybody's interested in looking at the virtual legality store that we have, we have a new animal drawn by my awesome daughter who did gaming dino behind me, as you can see, uh, now has a cozy panda we'll take a look at as well as part of this video, but I'm so glad that you found a good place to wear your reasonable minds can differ sweater. I, I think it's a great and important message. Certainly amongst people of differing minds and team meetings seem like a good place for that to be presented. So thank you so much. Baby Meatball says, we are definitely thankful that Hogue is here. I certainly am. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Shreen says the UK has no Thanksgiving. Yeah. Our Thanksgiving is kind of about separating from the UK a little bit. So we got that going for us. Uh, but thank you to all my friends in chat. Thank you, Shireen. Kelly asks, have you seen the Five Nights at Freddy's Freddy movie? Was impressed with it, paid great service to the fans. I have not seen it. I have not gotten out to the movies much this year. Uh, certainly not after the summer months. Uh, but I did just see the Creator movie, which I thought was interesting. That's available on video on demand at home. Uh, there's a lot to like about that movie. There's a lot to not like about that movie. So I'm, I'm of two minds on it. But if you're interested in hard sci-fi and artificial intelligence discussions, there are worse places you can get it than the creator. Mitch says, big fan, Rick. Can't wait to see you on Sacred Symbols again. Thank you, Mitch. Sacred Symbols at Last Stand Media. I should be back on a Last Stand Media video pretty soon. We've got some big games to talk about, I think. Alan Wake 2, certainly. We will see but I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Stacy says, unpopular opinion. I'm actually having fun with this year's Call of Duty Zombies. Court is closed on Friday, so I don't have to work. What is a good day one complete? I don't understand the question at the end, but I'm glad that you're enjoying Call of Duty Zombies. Um, I think that, oh, what is a good one day complete while you're off on Friday? Uh, a shorter video game to complete. That's a good question. Uh, I think one of my favorite shorter video games this year is a game called Dredge, um, which is a little bit more of an October vibe in terms of it being a horror game uh, than others. But I really like that for a shorter game to complete. You can check that out. Of course, if you're playing Call of Duty Zombies, I understand the campaign in this year's Call of Duty is about four hours long, so you can do that in one day. Um, but hopefully those are good choices for you. And sorry, I didn't understand the question originally. Zelda Master 702 says, I'm jumping between Starfield, Inscription, and Super Mario RPG Remake here in Minnesota. Hopefully getting fiber internet on Friday. Yeah, I hope you do. I hope you get awesome internet and that you love everything. I was just playing Starfield yesterday, as a matter of fact, jumping back into it while I play through Yakuza Like a Dragon again to get ready for the, the sequel to that coming out next year. And going back in time to play the original Final Fantasy VII with my daughter as we try to get enough of our knowledge base up to speed to continue playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake series. So lots of good stuff to play this year. A lot of stuff setting up for next year. And I've been popping into Super Mario RPG. I don't 
love Super Mario RPG as much as I love some of the Paper Marios. So I wasn't as enamored with getting it as some other people have been. But I do like uh, all of the Mario RPG approaches where you add a little bit more character to the Mushroom Kingdom. So it's an enjoyable game. Tina Wright, good morning. Lots of sick kiddos in Arizona. I'm so sorry, Tina. So probably won't be able to hang out long, but love to check in. I love to have you check in. Thank you so much, Tina, and I hope your kids feel better. That's always a bummer when that happens, and it does happen uh, quite a bit in the life of the youngsters. Shreen says, the panda is my favorite animal. Well, you are in luck. We're going to show you some cozy panda pictures as part of this video, probably towards the end, but... Uh, my daughter made a wonderful companion to Video Gaming Dino. Britt Cormier coming in with the optimism here. Thank you for the super chat. In the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. In that future, we AI stands for abominable intelligence. All hail the emperor of mankind. Thank you, Britt. I really appreciate the, the lighthearted well wishes for the future of artificial intelligence here on the Hoaglaw YouTube channel. But yes, there are reasons for folks to be concerned about what's happening at OpenAI. We'll talk about AGI in general and some aspects of the Skynet question as well. So thank you so much for the super chat. Co-counsel says, Brit's just trying to get in good with the AI before they take over the world. Yeah, maybe. You never know. There, there were worse plans. Sardism says, oh, hey, Hoke, have you talked to the ex-escapist guys about writing for Second Wind? I have talked with Nick, the editor-in-chief of The Escapist, now the head of Second Wind Group, um, but I haven't talked about doing things for them, writing or videos or anything else. So I'm in touch with him, but I wanted to let them get their feet under them first and foremost before I started asking for spots or anything like that, but we'll see. They, they've got a good thing going, and I might cover it on, in this space at some point because I really enjoy those stories of entrepreneurs having something bad happen to them and going and making their own thing and making it better. I think that's a lot of fun. I think that's a great thing for the world, um, but I have not covered it yet. Papa Rick asks, hey, Rick, will the stream of going over the games of the year happen? I think so. It's hard for me to predict that far into the future. I know December is so far away, right? It's, no, it's November 22nd. But I, I'm trying to allow for a certain amount of flexibility. I think we will do that. Me and my brother, again, talk about the games of the year this year. But I don't want to commit things for him. And I'm not entirely certain when that would be. Usually we do it in the first half of December towards the teens, December 13th, 14th, 15th, that kind of thing. But I will be trying to do it and we will see. Shay Jones says, I want cozy panda and gaming dino stickers for my iPad case. I think they would look great on an iPad or a laptop or anything else you got. I think they look fantastic. Those stickers are awesome. Sardinism says, I'm currently grounded from buying new games until my backlog goes down a bit, but the Cultist Simulator Exile DLC is on sale. So I grabbed that, LOL. Oh yeah, DLC doesn't count, right? If you grab DLC, that's, that's not buying new games. So... Absolutely. Cultist Simulator is a very interesting game. I really enjoy playing that one. It's very weird, um, much like the game I previously recommended, Dredge. Um, so if you're interested in that kind of weirdness, do check that out. That's on PC. I don't think there's a console version of Cultist Simulator, but it is a fun one, especially if you like stories and narrative.
The casual Kentucky gamer says, I'm going to summarize the OpenAI CEO situation. The board fired the CEO, the CEO without informing the board, which uh, isn't entirely correct. The employees and investors got angry, yes, which led to rehiring the CEO. Am I right, Mr. Hogue? I think you're close. That first part about the board not informing the board isn't correct. They certainly didn't inform their investors or management in advance. We'll talk about all of this as part of the headlines portion of our video, definitely. Says meant to say without informing the investors, but number limit, sure. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's that's more appropriate. They acted very quickly without telling folks that were related, really more stakeholders than investors because they're a not-for-profit. And we'll talk about that as well. Against the Tides asks, did Rob turn you into a bot when you visited? Not to my knowledge. The question is, would you know if you were turned into a robot when you visited Rob at Lawn Lumber? And if the answer is no, you wouldn't know, then I wouldn't know either. But I don't believe I've been turned into a robot. Shereen says, Mountain Princess, that's a great recommendation. Maybe Hogue can put it on his best games to play list. And I don't think I caught this one as it went by. So apologies there. We'll see if I can find Mountain Princess's recommendation. I beat Raft in a day. It was fun. I have not played a game called Raft. I don't know it. So maybe I will check it out. Thank you, Mountain Princess. I am always looking for new, fun, weird games to play. So thank you so much. And I think I have another thank you to give because I see that Vintage Willow has gifted five Hoglaw memberships. Thank you, Vintage Willow. You're always so generous with gifting these memberships on these channels. So I really appreciate it. And if you got a membership, folks, you do get emojis and various other things you can use on these live streams and elsewhere. Please do check them out. And uh, I hope you enjoy being a member of the Hoglaw YouTube channel. All right. We got a lot of people in the chat saying Raft is a lot of fun. I, I haven't even heard of Raft, so I will check it out, definitely. And with that said, let's let's get into it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about artificial intelligence, OpenAI, Sam Altman, and more. First and foremost, I do want to make a recommendation here. If you are on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call this social media service at this point in time, I do recommend a follow, and that is Tom Warren at The Verge. I really think The Verge wound up covering this story the best of all the places I looked. We'll have a number of articles from various different places, but the kind of spine of our discussion today is going to be from The Verge, some articles from Tom Warren, some from other writers at The Verge. But if you want to follow a story like this one in real time, I recommend Tom as a follow. He updates his Twitter a lot, and he's a good follow, and you can find him at Tom Warren, and he should be linked in the description of this video. So please do check that out. I also want to mention that this channel is supported by viewers and listeners like you. So thank you so much for that. If you'd like to support this channel further, please do check out the links below to player or Patreon memberships to the YouTube channel or super chats as you've already seen as part of this video. Otherwise, if you just want to subscribe, tell your friends, hit the like button, comment on the video, everything that YouTube likes helps the video be seen by more people, helps the channel be supported better and helps us have conversations like this one. So all of those options are available to you. Every little bit helps. Thank you so much in advance. I also want to mention the store, as I said, we welcome back Holiday Gaming Dino into our holiday updated store that co-counsel is responsible for. So I know she's in the chat 
You can thank Mrs. Hoglaw for all of the changes here if you're interested, but we've got Holiday Gaming Dino back. We've also got uh, Winter Merch, and we've got, as mentioned, Cozy Panda, and I'm going to leave it at that for right now. We're going to do a deeper dive into some of this stuff towards the end of the video. I don't want to waylay all of this conversation just with merch and things like that, so let's get into talking about the issues at hand. This is the Wikipedia entry for Sam Altman, who was, is, forever will be, who knows, the CEO of OpenAI and a number of other companies. As we will see, Mr. Altman is effectively what we would call a serial entrepreneur. Wikipedia mentions that he started the company Looped in 2005 at the age of 19. He was the interim CEO for Reddit for a couple of days after their CEO resigned. And then where he really became uh, most connected and popular, he worked at Y Combinator, where he was made president in 2014. If you're not familiar with Y Combinator, it's an accelerator uh, operating out of the West in the United States to help accelerate tech companies into commercialization, right? So small companies start as an idea and probably some geniuses uh, putting together whatever it is that they're putting together. And then they need money to get their dreams off the ground. Y Combinator helped get those companies funded, including Airbnb, Dropbox, Zenefits, and Stripe. And they help set up documentation that are used well beyond whatever they directly fund. So Y Combinator helps make venture capital investment documents and safe debt instruments that help other companies get funded and help investors understand what they're getting as vetted by the Y Combinator people, right? So a lot of the investment structure in venture capital, in private equity in general, is premised on somebody smart doing due diligence and somebody smart helping work on the documents and being able to rely on those. So Y Combinator had a very significant role in helping a lot of tech companies across the country get started. And certainly in my line of work, working at venture capital and working on the fund side and the company side, I have seen a lot of Y Combinator documents requested and used in those funding rounds. Now in March, 2019, Y Combinator announced Altman's transition from president of the company to a less hands-on role as chairman of the board for him to focus on open AI, which is what we're gonna talk about today. Open AI was initially funded by Altman, Greg Brockman, Elon Musk, Jessica Livingston, Peter Thiel, Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, Infosys, and Y Combinator Research. When OpenAI launched in 2015, it had raised a billion dollars. Now that's pretty good for a startup, certainly. A billion dollars essentially on an idea. But as you can see, when you start to get a syndicate together, and it includes Microsoft and Peter Thiel and Amazon and some other big names, Elon Musk, you can get those numbers pretty high even before a proof of concept has been met. Has been met. In March, 2019, Sam Altman left Y Combinator to focus full-time on OpenAI by the summer of 2019. He'd helped raise a billion dollars from Microsoft, which will be a party to this story we're going to tell today. So Microsoft is important here. Now, this all sounds pretty normal, right? In the normal corporate world, you'd have this money being raised by equity in the company. For those of you that aren't familiar, equity is what we think of as shares in the secondary stock market or, or things of that nature. But it's it means that you share in the profits of the company going forward on whatever percentage basis of ownership of the company that you held. In this case, however... OpenAI was started as a nonprofit research group. And so this money is part of strategic partnerships and things of that nature and invests in a commercialization entity that allows them to sell things like ChatGPT licenses, but all under the governance of a not-for-profit entity sitting up above, which means that from a corporate governance standpoint, these investors, whether it's for a billion dollars or $11 billion in the case of Microsoft, 
don't get some of the protections that they would usually get when they invest that amount of money, right? As you can probably imagine, when people put in huge amounts of money into a company, they generally want to make sure that they can control some portion of how that company operates. So in the venture capital world, generally what happens when you invest in a company is you get protective provisions that give you a specific series of stock and then says, you can't do X, Y, or Z. You can't change the makeup of the company. Maybe you can't change management, which is of course pertinent to this story, uh, without the agreement of the investor class, the series A or the series B or the series C or whatever you wind up calling your stock from your investment standpoint. And you often get a seat on the board, which says all the stockholders agree to vote whoever you want as a member of the board. But because of the way that OpenAI was structured, OpenAI wanted to be outside of the ambit and incentives created by profit generalization or generation, right? So they were worried about Skynet. They're worried about AI being used in a bad way against humanity. And they feel like the profit incentive accelerates that. And so they go into a not-for-profit format in order to advance human interests, as it were. But from a legal perspective, you eliminate the profit incentive, you eliminate damages as a concept, which means that in investors aren't really investors in the way we usually think about them. And it means that those investors, Microsoft, Amazon, whomever, don't have the same legal ability to sue over problems at the company that they might otherwise have in a different structure. So if if OpenAI were just making AI products and Microsoft were just investing in a commercial enterprise making AI products, then if a board were to not talk to their investors and not follow their bylaws or, or give them the protections they were supposed to give, or otherwise operate outside the fiduciary duties that a board holds to its stockholders, then Microsoft would have a lawsuit, a legal remedy to go pursue against OpenAI. And that is not in fact the case here which raises a question about the future of artificial intelligence and whether when you've got technology or potentially dangerous technology, which I'm going to be honest with you here as I talk, I think is well away, right? I think the, the concept of a super artificial intelligence and Brit having to submit to Skynet or whatever it is in the future is way off in the distance. I do want scientists and folks to be concerned about what it is that they're making, obviously, but I don't think that this is a legitimate concern for tomorrow uh, as it is. Uh, I do think that we need to look at what the structure is and either consider having more legal protections covering not-for-profits and more ability for people to get interested in how the governance works through the legal system, or we need to not have this not-for-profit structure governing these kinds of dangerous technologies. This is probably not the right way to go about it. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. You also see politics, academics, government, personal life, etc., uh, in this Wikipedia entry, but suffice it to say, he's a serial entrepreneur. He starts a lot of companies, is known for raising money for them. And that's what you want out of your startup CEO. But as of last Friday, he was fired as CEO of OpenAI. In a sudden move, Altman is leaving after the company's board determined that he was not consistently candid in his communications, which we'll talk about in just a second. President and co-founder Greg Brockman has also quit. This is an article from The Verge says Sam Altman has been fired as CEO of OpenAI, the company announced on Friday. And let's talk about that and what that message was. OpenAI's communications department declined to comment beyond the blog post, which we're going to look at in just a second. Employees at OpenAI found out about the news when it was announced publicly, according to multiple sources. All right, let's take a look at OpenAI's leadership transition blog post. You always got to love how all companies do it this way, right? You've got a major firing, you've got a turmoil at your company. You announce it as 
slight change in leadership we have to talk about, right? Chief Technology Officer Mira Marathi appointed interim CEO to lead OpenAI. Sam Altman departs the company. Search process underway to identify permanent successor. Now, one thing to note here, just from the reading between the lines side of things, is that if you don't have a successor in place for a major role at a tech company like CEO, then chances are things were a surprise. No matter what your headline says, even if we didn't have all these other articles or all this turmoil this past weekend at OpenAI, you would know that it's not normal for there to be an interim CEO on a board move that doesn't have some kind of notion that it was happening beforehand, right? That there aren't discussions happening that you know that, oh, Sam's going to step down or we're going to move in a different direction. And you get those pieces in place to cover that CEO position before all of this goes down in a blog post on a Friday afternoon. So what this tells us is this was a surprise to everybody involved, and this was a board acting very quickly for some reason that we don't quite know of, which is part of the story. The board of directors of OpenAI Inc., the 501c3 that acts as the overall governing body for all OpenAI activities, today announced that Sam Altman will depart as CEO and leave the board of directors. A member of OpenAI's leadership team for five years, Mira, the new interim CEO, has played a critical role in OpenAI's evolution into a global AI leader. She brings a unique skill set, understanding of the company's values, operations, and business, and already leads the company's research, product, and safety functions. Given her long tenure and close engagement with all aspects of the company, including her experience in AI governance and policy, the board believes she is uniquely qualified for the role and anticipates a seamless transition while it conducts a formal search for permanent CEO, meaning that you upgrade someone internally that knows how the, all of the business works, then we don't worry about a problem with there being no CEO for a moment. Mr. Altman's departure follows a deliberative review process by the board, which reads to me as them protesting a little bit too much since nobody knew this was going to happen and it happens immediately, which concluded that he was not consistently candid in his communications with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. So let's take a pause here for a moment to talk about corporate governance structure. So even in a not-for-profit business, one that's organized under a board of directors, you have multiple layers of management of a company. The board of directors is the head. They're responsible for the overall company, but a board can't otherwise operate the company on a day-to-day -day basis. That's charged with a CEO and potentially a COO. But the CEO has to run the business and then report back to the board what's happening with the company so that the board can exercise its responsibilities and do what is necessary for the company to leadership. What this specific sentence is accusing Sam Altman of doing is not telling the board something about how the company is operating. And when we're talking about artificial intelligence, the first thing everybody's mind goes to is that, oh, there's been some safety issue or some breakthrough at the AI level that has led to something that Sam Altman doesn't want to share with the board. I don't think that's necessarily the most likely thing here, but that's what people think of when they think of this. And it is certainly worth noting that when they upgrade their head of operations and businesses and research product and safety functions to the CEO spot, it's easy for people to think, well, maybe Sam Altman was playing fast and loose with something with artificial intelligence, didn't tell the board about it. The board got upset. And so they upgraded the safety person to the CEO role. The board no longer has confidence in his ability to continue leading OpenAI. In a statement, the board of directors said OpenAI was deliberately structured to advance our mission, to ensure that artificial general intelligence, we'll talk about more on that in a second, benefits all humanity. The board remains fully committed to serving this mission. We are grateful for Sam's many contributions to the founding and growth of OpenAI. At the same time, we believe new leadership is necessary as we move forward. Now, this sentence 
if you were to generate this by AI, is usually what you would say when you're transitioning to a new kind of CEO. So I've talked about this in this space and other spaces uh, a bit, but in general, companies have different versions of the CEO role. Sam Altman appears to be that serial entrepreneur, that money raiser that helps bootstrap a company from nothing into existence at a commercial level. And then very often there's a different CEO that runs a company uh, from a kind of middle range level that has a bigger bureaucracy to engage with and to operate and succeed with than just the kind of early stage funding rounds. And then you have a fully mature concept CEO that helps get the company exited and potentially makes the, all the investors money at the end of the day when the company no longer needs to be operated separately. In this case, that's not what's happening here. The previous paragraph says they no longer have confidence in him, but then they put together the quote that says, we need a different kind of CEO to move forward anyway. So it's a little bit unclear. They're a little bit back and forth as to what they're saying in these paragraphs, which again, essentially reads to me as a lack of confidence in the board's decision. And certainly in hindsight, as we will see as we go over this whole story, it appears to be the case that the board was not of a single mind on this, even as it happened. OpenAI's board of directors consists of OpenAI chief scientist Ilya Sutskever. We'll talk more about him in a second. Quora CEO Adam D'Angelo, technology entrepreneur Tasha McCauley, and Georgetown Center for Security and Emerging, Te Emerging Technologies Helen Toner. As a part of this transition, Greg Brockman will be stepping down as chairman of the board and will remain in his role at the company reporting to the CEO. No, he won't, but we'll talk about that as well. OpenAI was founded as a nonprofit in 2015, and nonprofit's an interesting term. Generally speaking, the lawyers that I know like to refer to this as not for profit more than nonprofit, because as you will know, or as you will see, not for profit companies can make profits. And in fact, a lot of them make a lot of profits. They just don't share those profits with investors or shareholders. Nobody owns equity in the company separately in the way that we would think. They invest that equity back into the company to en enhance whatever it is that that company is doing. Here, the core mission of ensuring that artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. In 2019, OpenAI restructured to ensure that the company could raise capital in pursuit of this mission while preserving the nonprofit's missions, governance, and oversight. The majority of the board is independent and the independent directors do not hold equity in OpenAI. While the company has experienced dramatic growth, it remains the fundamental governance responsibility of the board to advance OpenAI's mission and preserve the principles of its charter, which is another paragraph that leads people to read all of this and say, well, maybe something was happening that was not safe at OpenAI, which is first and foremost, not what you want people to read into your statement that you're changing the CEO, right? You don't want folks to think that your company is hiding or came close to creating Skynet and the Terminator movie franchise and is now not talking about that in public, but instead just fires the CEO and moves on with slide. But that's what is hinted at by this language and I don't know whether that is in fact the case because they're not talking at all about what's happening behind the scenes. Now, if you don't know 501c3 organizations, we usually think of these as charities. To be tax exempt under section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code of the United States, an organization must be organized and operated exclusively for exempt purposes. And none of its earnings may inure to any private shareholder or individual. In addition, it may not be an action organization. That is, it may not attempt to influence legislation as a substantial part of its activities and may not participate in any campaign activity for or against political candidates. Organizations described in Section 501c3, other than testing for public safety organizations, are eligible to receive tax-deductible contributions in accordance with the Internal Revenue Code. So this is all set up to not have to be responsible for profits, right? A board is usually a fiduciary of the shareholders, which means that they have to make their decisions to the best interest 
of the money that the shareholders have invested in their corporation. And in a 501c3, that isn't in fact the case. The board doesn't have equity holders to be responsible for. So it makes choices based on, as you saw in the statement we just read from OpenAI, the best interests of humanity, which is not a legally recognizable standard that we can otherwise hold people's feet to the fire on one way or the other. So this is an unusual situation as it stands with a technology that a lot of people are afraid of or concerned with from the Skynet perspective or just from the level of should people be making art and are artists going to lose work for the art that AI makes, including script writing and things we saw that the Writers Guild go on strike for. We saw likenesses be an issue in the actors strike this year. So a lot of people are still dealing with what generative AI can do. And a company like this one that is responsible for some of the big breakthroughs this year in the world of artificial intelligence, going through a complete kind of turmoil, apocalypse, tempest is not what anybody really wants to see when we're already concerned about this technology. So immediately after the firing, The Verge puts up an article that says, OpenAI board is in discussions with Sam Altman to return as CEO. So if the firing is bad and it makes people skittish, then the company responsible for the firing immediately saying, well, maybe we did this wrong is maybe not the best thing to provide sanctity and security for people watching this story. The OpenAI board is in discussions with Sam Altman to return to the company as CEO, according to multiple people familiar with the matter. One of them said Altman, who was suddenly fired by the board on Friday with no notice, is ambivalent about coming back and would want significant governance changes. Yeah, and I think that's normal as well. Uh, However you might think of Sam Altman or what happened here, if a board surprisingly fired you and maybe didn't have a great reason, we don't know one way or the other, then one of the things you would want is if I'm going to come back to that job, this can't happen again, right? There needs to be some protections for me or else I'm not willing to go and invest my time, resources, and energy into a company that can just turn around and say, you know what, we don't like what you did for some reason, and we're just going to fire you. So I I think that makes sense from Altman's perspective. If you think that Altman was a rogue actor or a wild card or something that the board should have done something about, and now he's only willing to come back if the board effectively resigns or is eliminated and the structure changed, then you look at this as a problem in the protections on artificial intelligence or any technology that's structured this way. Uh, And I can't tell you that you're wrong. A source close to Altman says the board has agreed in principle to resign and to allow Altman and Greg Brockman to return, but has since waffled, missing a key 5 p.m. Pacific time deadline by which many OpenAI staffers were set to resign. This was on Saturday. Uh, Or no, this is on, yeah, Saturday. Then on Sunday, last night, after we learned OpenAI was trying to get Altman back and that the board was waffling, Chief Strategy Officer Jason Kwan told employees that the company is optimistic about Altman returning and would share more Sunday morning. Meanwhile, a bunch of OpenAI employees took to X, formerly Twitter, love how everybody has to call it X, formerly Twitter now, to voice their support of Altman with heart emoji. Altman holding talks with the company just a day after he was ousted indicates that OpenAI is in a state of freefall without him. Now, this is editorializing as we talk about in Hangouts and Headlines, but I think that's right. You don't have this immediate kind of pushback. Hours after he was axed, Greg Brockman, OpenAI's president and former board chair, resigned, and the two have been talking to friends and investors about starting another company. OpenAI's largest investor, Microsoft, said in a statement shortly after Altman's firing that the company remains committed to its partnership with the AI firm. However, OpenAI's investors weren't given advance warning or opportunity to weigh in on the board's decision to remove Altman. As the force of the company and the most prominent voice in AI, his removal throws the future of OpenAI into uncertainty at a time when rivals are racing 
to catch up with the unprecedented rise of chat GPT. So from a business perspective, you don't want this to happen because you have the first mover advantage at OpenAI. ChatGPT was what kind of took the world by storm with what generative AI can do on a language basis. And yet, if you go and kill your CEO in the way that the board did here, everybody else is going to be able to catch up very quickly, which is one of the reasons why Microsoft was so responsive and so public in its response to this particular set of set of events. Now, Microsoft, which has invested all this money in the OpenAI product line, is not in a position that it would trad traditionally be in, right? As I mentioned earlier in the video, usually when a big company is a strategic partner and they invest this amount of money in a company, they would go and get protections of some kind built into the bylaws or even the certificate of incorporation, the governance documents of the company they're investing in that protects them either with a seat on the board or with uh, the ability to prevent the company from doing things that they don't want to have done without their overall approval of the investor class in a company. Microsoft can't get that because of the structure. And so Microsoft not only had to face this uh, situation and be asked about it publicly in places like The Verge, they also probably had to answer to their own skittish investors about, okay, what are you doing with billions of dollars if you can't otherwise protect it, right? You have an investment in this company that may be worth nothing if they just kill their CEO and their president leaves and a bunch of employees leave all at once. So continuing the story from there, we get various articles such as this one from The Observer that says Sam Altman was working on a new venture before sacking from OpenAI. And this is the kind of story that could lead to why Sam Altman was fired, which is to say he's got a history of serial entrepreneurship of going from one company to the next. And then if he was going to do that again and take his uh, employee group, his team with him to a new company and didn't tell the board about it, it is the kind of thing that a board could get upset about. Sam Altman was telling investors he planned to launch a new company before his shock departure. It was claimed. Now, I do have to point out when we look at articles like this, if anonymous sourcing is bad and we have to take it with a grain of salt, not sourcing it at all, using a completely passive voice, it was claimed, is maybe even worse than that, right? So I don't know how seriously to take this article, but I didn't want to mention it to y'all so that we have a good picture of what's happening in the background. The new company was described as still in development on Saturday and many more employees could exit OpenAI to join the new venture, says The Observer. And again, I don't know how serious to take this. And again, I think a serial entrepreneur in general as a personality type is always thinking about what they might want to do with the tech or they might think of doing that might be a spin-off of what they're currently doing in the company. And as a California company, my wife asked me this the other day, it is important to note that non-competition provisions aren't enforceable in California. So all these employees threatening to leave is an actual risk for OpenAI in a way that it might not be a risk in other states in the United States and perhaps other jurisdictions around the world. A California company is going to be specifically susceptible to this kind of fluctuation in leadership and employment in a way that other companies in other locations is not. Now, I do want to talk about general artificial intelligence or artificial general intelligence, AGI, which in this Forbes article is referenced as something everyone should know and think about. This author is actually uh, a, a teacher in the AI space. So, of course, you could take that with a grain of salt about how important it is to know these things because they are selling their services in teaching about these things. But I do think it's important to have some notion of what we're talking about here. This was true even before the recent OpenAI drama brought the issue to the limelight, with rumors speculating that the issues may have been caused due to disagreements about safety concerns regarding a breakthrough in AGI. 
What is artificial general intelligence? Wikipedia defines it as a machine agent that can accomplish any task that a human can perform, including reasoning, planning, executing, and communicating, etc. So think of a chat GPT that can essentially decide for itself what to do next. ChatGPT defines AGI as a highly autonomous system that have the ability to outperform humans at nearly any economically valuable work. AGI is often contrasted with narrow or specialized AI, which is designed to perform specific tasks or solve particular problems, but lacks the broad cognitive abilities associated with human intelligence. The key characteristic of AGI is its capacity for generalization and adaptation across a wide range of tasks and domains. To be asked something and know that, oh, well, maybe if I applied it in this different way, it would be more useful or more economically valuable is the step to AGI. But it's important to know when we talk about chat GPT or we talk about anything else that you might be using online in the quote unquote AI space right now that as my brother would say, who's in tech and in video games, it's not really artificial intelligence as we think about it from the science fiction point of view, right? It's not Skynet, it's not making decisions. It's a language generation that is based around what they call deep learning and knowing percentages of what the next word should be, et cetera. And it sounds very realistic to us as we interact with something like ChatGPT or the other AI tools that you're probably seeing around uh, online, including on YouTube. But uh, it is not that step up to super intelligence that we're talking about here. And, and there is a concern that at some point there would be a breakthrough towards AGI. It might look like what it looked like at OpenAI just now and there would be a fight amongst the people that control that technology about whether or not to move forward with it quickly or to slow it down and concerns about what happens at these various organizations, whether they're a not-for-profit or whether they're a for-profit enterprise, seems to be justified insofar as whatever happened here at OpenAI happened very quickly without oversight from investors or people that are otherwise outside of that very small board of directors at the company. And that could be a concern when we're talking about something as important as AGI. Um, it is particularly opportune that the OpenAI chief scientist, Ilya Sutskever, actually presented his perspective on AGI just a few weeks ago at TED-AI. He described a key tenant of AGI as being potentially smarter than humans in anything and everything with all of human knowledge to back it up. He also described AGI as having the ability to teach itself, thereby creating new, even potentially smarter AGIs. And this is where you get into the kind of existential threat fear, right? That if you get to an AI that's smart enough to build other AIs, then it could fly past humanity's understanding and intellect in a fraction of a second, really, right? When you're talking about billions of functions that can happen in, in a very short period of time. And that's what I think gets people nervous, certainly on an existential basis. The risks of the first group are existential, while the risks of the second may lean more towards massive workplace displacement and other economic impacts, as this article says. So this is what people are concerned about when they talk about this. And this is why when we're having a normal kind of corporate governance discussion, corporate governance fight at OpenAI, it rings so importantly across multiple news outlets like Forbes, like The Observer, like other places that will reference Reuters uh, in this video. And so I am interested in what you all think of this. I am not following your questions if you have any right now. So please do hold on to those a little bit. But uh, yeah, I would love to chat with you more about what you in the community think about all of this and OpenAI and Sam Altman in general, the not-for-profit structure as we get more towards the end. But we have more to this story left. So on the 20th, on Sunday, it's announced that Microsoft hires former OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. Greg Brockman, the OpenAI co-founder, is also joining Microsoft to lead a new advanced AI research team. After a weekend of negotiations to potentially bring Altman back to OpenAI, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella 
announced that both Altman and Brockman will be joining to lead Microsoft's new advanced AI research team. Altman will have the CEO title of this new group. We're extremely excited to share the news that Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, together with colleagues, will be joining Microsoft to lead a new advanced AI research team, says Nadella. We look forward to moving quickly to provide them with the resources needed for their success. So from those watching from afar, Microsoft's invested in the OpenAI product line. OpenAI cuts off the, the management that they trust without informing them or otherwise inc incorporating them into the loop. And Microsoft says, okay, well then we'll just hire them and we'll create a group that is essentially OpenAI within Microsoft and we'll worry about the rest later. In a post on X, Altman acknowledged he was joining Microsoft by reposting Nadella with the message, the mission continues. Nadella responded by providing some hints at how he sees Altman's new CEO role at Microsoft. We've learned a lot over the years about how to give founders and innovators space to build independent identities and cultures within Microsoft, including GitHub, Mojang Studios, and LinkedIn, and I'm looking forward to having you do the same. And so it seemed that as of the 20th, OpenAI's management group, as well as a number of employees, were going to head on over to Microsoft. But that's not the end of the story either. Hundreds of OpenAI employees threatened to resign and join Microsoft. This is an article just after the one we read. After a turbulent weekend for OpenAI, most of its staff looks to join Sam Altman at Microsoft. Most of the staff at OpenAI have threatened to resign from the company and join Microsoft, which has hired ousted OpenAI CEO Sam Altman and former OpenAI co-founder Greg Brockman to lead a new advanced AI research team. In a letter to OpenAI's board that was reported on this morning by Wired and journalist Kara Swisher, more than 500 current OpenAI staffers say that Microsoft has assured that there are positions for all OpenAI employees at this new subsidiary should we choose to join. So Microsoft was essentially going to acquire OpenAI for free uh, and without regulatory oversight because it's not an actual acquisition, it's just hiring all the employees. The letter says the OpenAI employees will leave if the board does not reinstate Altman and Brockman and then resign. But seeing as the board has already made its choice, deciding to remain in place and naming a new CEO, while Altman and Brockman head to Microsoft, it seems that Microsoft may have just found Altman's first several hundred employees, assuming they're current about correct about the company's promise to hire them all. So lots happening behind the scenes here, including OpenAI chief scientist Ilya Sutskever, who reportedly led the push to remove Altman, noted on X that he had some regrets about the weekend of chaos inside OpenAI. I deeply regret my participation in the board's actions, said Ilya. I never intended to harm OpenAI. I love everything we built together and I will do everything I can to reunite the company. So again, looking at this from the science fiction, Skynet type of, type of space, you've got a company that has a very small board of directors with three independent directors and the person that isn't independent that has some interest in the way that OpenAI operates going with that board to oust management and then decide 48 hours later that they made a mistake and they deeply regret their actions. And this is not what gives people a lot of comfort about the folks that are running the shop behind the scenes for technology, right? Whether this was AI, whether this was ball bearings, it doesn't matter. This is not how you like to see a company operate uh, because especially one with the responsibilities of artificial intelligence or other hugely potentially transitional, transformational technologies, you don't like to see them kind of adjust their positions on the fly as Ilya Sutskever is doing here. But it's still not the end of the story. Is Sam Altman joining Microsoft? Satya Nadella doesn't seem to know. Microsoft CEO is doing a media tour after days of turmoil at OpenAI. Less than 24 hours later, following The Verge reporting that Sam Altman is still trying to return as OpenAI CEO, Nadella doesn't seem sure that Brockman and Altman will be joining Microsoft. We're committed to OpenAI and Sam, irrespective of what configuration. 
said Nadella in an interview with CNBC's John Fort, adding that Microsoft chose to explicitly partner with OpenAI, and obviously that depends on the people at OpenAI staying there or coming to Microsoft. So I'm open to both options. Nadella, Nadella added that obviously we want Sam and Greg to have a fantastic home if they're not going to be at OpenAI with all the colleagues at Microsoft, but I'm exactly where I was on Friday morning. On Friday morning, Nadella woke up with Sam Altman, still OpenAI CEO, and a close partnership with the company. Reading between the lines of these strained interviews, it's clear Nadella wants what Altman and hundreds of OpenAI employees want, the OpenAI board gone. He didn't explicitly say that, but he was more willing to talk about board changes to Bloomberg TV than the potential for Sam Altman to be an actual Microsoft employee. I think we will definitely want some governance changes, this is Satya Nadella. Surprises are bad, and we just want to make sure that things are done in a way that will allow us to continue to partner well. This idea that somehow sudden changes happen without us being in the loop is not good, and we will definitely ensure that some of the changes that are needed to happen, happen, and we continue to be able to go along with the partnership with OpenAI. So Satya Nadella at Microsoft is saying what I've described already, which is that these kind of sudden changes are not good for anybody that's a stakeholder, that's not really an equity holder in the company, but is interested in the company's success and continuation. And these kinds of surprises are how a board doesn't want to operate. And certainly Microsoft's faith in that board has been lost, which means that board really can't function in any kind of cognizable way. But can you change it? As Reuters reported, there are a few ways to force the opening eye governance to change, legal experts say. Few people can force OpenAI to change governance at the crisis-stricken artificial intelligence company, and the head of Microsoft, a major financial backer, is not one of them, according to legal experts. The nonprofit board overseeing the maker of the popular ChatGPT chatbot sent shockwaves through Silicon Valley on Friday by abruptly firing chief executive Sam Altman. Nearly all of the company's 700 employees signed a letter threatening to resign if the board does not step down, and Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella has called for governance changes, as we just saw. Microsoft did not immediately return a request for comment made after business hours on Tuesday. The turmoil has left investors weighing their legal options and illustrated a divide over how the potentially disruptive technology can be developed safely. Because it is a nonprofit, the only people who could force the current board of OpenAI to step down or change are judges or state attorneys general, said Alexander Reed, an attorney at Baker Hostetler who, who counsels nonprofit organizations. And here's where I point out that I'm a corporate lawyer. I have dealt with nonprofits. I've even had as a client a not-for-profit organization that runs a profit branch, similar in structure to OpenAI, but I am not specifically a not-for-profit attorney. And so we will defer to the expertise of the, these folks that do not-for-profit work on a regular basis. Attorneys general oversee and investigate nonprofits and have wide latitude to seek reforms. Even if they don't go to court, the mere presence typically gets results, he said. Attorneys general can enact everything from leadership changes to complete shutdown of an organization, usually after finding fraud or illegal conflicts of interest. So charities or 501c3 corps or not-for-profit entities or however they're organized in whatever jurisdiction we're talking about, in general, are taking on their money on the understanding that they will only use it for the purposes that are their mission. In this case, the benefit of humanity of general and artificial intelligence, et cetera. And so attorneys general are the leading law enforcement force in all the states of the United States. And they can go in and say, you're not using your money correctly. We're going to investigate you. We're going to make you change your board. We're going to make you do something in a way that isn't the same as profit corporations. So this is one of the reasons why OpenAI might have structured the way it chose to structure is that it has a little bit more oversight on a state politics basis, but it doesn't have the same ability to have lawsuits and there isn't the same kind of damages concept that an attorney general would use that a Microsoft would use. And so you have these different kind of protections that maybe aren't as effective 
as profit corporations, just because the law isn't as structured around protecting and making changes at the governance level. Hershey Company is one example. The trust that controls the candy maker agreed in 2016 to replace certain board members after the Pennsylvania Attorney General challenged the trust's spending. Daryl Jones, a law professor at Florida A&M University, said the U.S. Internal Revenue Service is another source of accountability. There is a whole boatload of scholarship noting that nonprofit enforcement is severely lacking, but for the most part, nonprofits are pretty good at self-policing, if only to avoid scandal that would impact donations, he said. OpenAI's for-profit arm was under the full control of a nonprofit, an arrangement meant to insulate decisions about a potentially powerful technology from driven, being driven by corporate greed. Because of that, investors who have collectively plowed billions of dollars into the startup face hurdles to suing the board over Altman's firing, though sources have told Reuters some are considering legal action. That's right, you don't have to have a good case to bring a case, folks. And so, in general, if you're Microsoft or Amazon or someone else that's really upset about this happening without you being in the loop at all, then you can sue over fiduciary duties and you can sue over things within the bylaws of the company, you might not have a high likelihood of success, but it might at least give you a seat at the table for, for people thinking about what they're gonna do in the future. Under OpenAI's bylaws, only directors can remove or elect new board members. The arrangement known as a self-perpetuating board is very common in the nonprofit world, said Reed, and I can vouch for that. There are currently four people on the board, three independent directors and OpenAI chief scientist, Ilya Sutskever. The latter worked with the other board members to remove Altman and former president, Greg Brockman, but has since said he deeply regrets the action. Outside of the government enforcers, Sutskever may now be the only person in a position to formally challenge the board's decision. Board members can sue other board members, either directly or on behalf of the organization, for failing to exercise their duties, said Reed. But typically, such court battles are fought only when there is suspected malfeasance connected with spending or compensation, he said. Generally, board members stealing money. In fights over organizational direction or control, the more common play is for the organization to split. You just form another nonprofit that operates slightly differently, he said. OpenAI has already survived one such break. The co-founders of Anthropic, who were also executives at OpenAI until 2020, had broken from their employer over disagreements regarding how to ensure AI's safe development and governance. Whether OpenAI survives the rift between its board and employees will likely be determined in the next few days. In fact, it's been determined already, or so it seems. Now, I said yesterday when we were talking about this video on Twitter, or X, Tomorrow at 9 a.m., join us to discuss a corporate governance fight happening so fast it might be entirely different by the time we go live. See you there. And I put up this headline, Turmoil at OpenAI After Firing Sam Altman, What's Next for the Creators of ChatGPT? And this headline doesn't even exist on The Verge anymore. That's how fast this is all happening right now. Um, but as of this morning, last Saturday at 1.03 a.m. Eastern Time, OpenAI said on Twitter, we have reached an agreement in principle for Sam Altman to return to OpenAI as CEO with a new initial board of Brett Taylor as chair, Larry Summers, and Adam D'Angelo. Adam D'Angelo being one that had already been on the board. We are collaborating to figure out the details. Thank you so much for your patience through this. So as of five days later, regardless of what they said in their statement, where they just don't have confidence that Sam can run the company any longer, the new board in the company overall is agreeing that they can have Sam and Greg Brockman as their leadership and they're going to do so with a new board, which has only one apparent member following on from the old. So that's as it stands today. Sam Altman is back. The Verge reports Sam Altman to return as CEO of OpenAI after an attempted coup by OpenAI's board that lasted five days. Altman is returning alongside co-founder Greg Brockman. Now, I object to this subheadline as an attempted coup because, as we mentioned, the board is the head of the company, right? The CEO, although they are the ones that most people associate with the operating of a company like Satya Nadella at, at Microsoft, is not 
the owner is not the head of the company itself. The board of directors is the highest level and they are the ones that hire management. And if they fire management, that's just the board exercising its rights under a corporate governance structure. So I would hesitate to ever call the board firing a CEO a coup, but that's how The Verge describes it here. Sam Altman will return as CEO of OpenAI, overcoming an attempted boardroom coup that sent the company into chaos over the past several days. Former President Greg Brockman, who quit in protest of Altman's firing, will return as well. The company said in a statement late Tuesday that it has an agreement in principle for Altman to return, alongside a new board composed of Brett Taylor, Larry Summers, and Adam D'Angelo. D'Angelo is a holdover from the previous board that initially fired Altman on Friday. He remains on this new board to give the previous board some representation, we are told. People familiar with the negotiations say that the main job of this small initial board is to vet and appoint an expanded board of up to nine people that will reset the governance of OpenAI. So again, all of this is happening in real time, right? Ordinarily, you wouldn't have a board switch like this without knowing who the new board members are and they've agreed to take on that role. In this case, we've got the employees threatening to leave. We've got everything falling apart at OpenAI. And so the board says we have to step down. We don't have the, the faith of the folks that have invested in the profit arm. We don't have the, the faith of our employees. We, we've lost all of that. We've got Ilya Sutskiver going on Twitter and saying, I don't agree with the action that we took as a board the other day. And so they agree that they have to leave. They don't have enough people to actually operate a newly independent board. So they create a small board with Adam D'Angelo from the old board, Larry Summers and Brett Taylor. And their job, their first job is going to be to go find six other board members that are going to be willing to do this. Microsoft, which is committed to investing billions into the company, wants to have a seat on that expanded board, as does Altman himself. And it is normal for a CEO to also be on the board of directors of a company that they manage. We're told that both sides have agreed to an investigation into this whole saga. That investigation will presumably be done by an outside independent law firm. Maybe. You never know. Based on our conversations with people involved, the very human power struggle at the center of all this seems not yet completely over. Then you've got tweets that The Verge uses to, to illustrate that. And yes, it does seem to be a human power struggle at OpenAI, which again, I don't know if that's more or less frightening to all of you than, oh, there's been some kind of breakthrough towards AGI and they can't agree with how safely to use it, or whether it's just petty human power interests slash uh, corporate interests in other endeavors that the board might be involved in and mistakes by folks like Sutskiver that led to this. What, what, whether or not you feel more or less good about that situation over the other is really a question of how you feel about people in power in general, I think. OpenAI has the potential to be one of the most consequential companies in the history of computing, Thrive partner Kelly Sim said in a statement shared with The Verge. Sam and Greg possess a profound commitment to the company's integrity and an unmatched ability to inspire and lead. We couldn't be more excited for them to come back to the company they founded and help build into what it is today. Helen Tuner, Toner, who was a key board member in the initial move to oust Altman, simply said, and now we all get some sleep. OpenAI's nonprofit board seemed resolute in its initial decision to remove Altman, shuffling through two CEOs in three days to avoid reinstating him. Yes, I did skip that over this period of time that we've covered these articles, I believe it's Elliot Shearer, the old CEO of Twitch, agreed to be CEO of OpenAI for a couple of days and then threatened to leave when the board refused to tell him why they had gotten rid of Sam Altman and then led to this today of Sam Altman being back. So it's a convoluted, controversial story. I think part of it is a function of operating in California without non-competition for the employees and the power that they get. And part of it is a, I think, misguided notion, and that's me editorializing, about what 
protections a not-for-profit structure gives to things that are potentially dangerous technologies like artificial intelligence. And I do think either the law needs to change or we need to reconsider what structure we use for these things in order to have more people involved in protecting against what can easily be a rogue board, right? In this particular case, the board could have acted out of nothingness, out of concern about Skynet or out of uh, jealousy towards Sam Altman or anything in between. And you didn't, you don't have the proper protections. Now, a counterpoint might be to say, Rick, well, it all wound up in the same place. And so Microsoft and others were able to use the, the protections that they didn't have to at least throw their weight around. And so we don't need to worry about the structure. I'm more inclined to think that we need to reconsider not-for-profits in this function, but I'm open to the alternative. And I'm very interested in hearing what you all have to say about it. As mentioned, the article at The Verge that we used as the headline image for this video doesn't exist anymore. It is now, now that Sam Altman's coming back, what's next for the creators of ChatGPT? And it basically covers what we've talked about in this video without a lot more in terms of analysis because it's just happening right now. But I did want to flag it because I didn't make up that headline that's a part of this video. It just doesn't exist as it did last night when we talk about it today. Now, before we get into the second part of the Hangouts today, where I do want to hear from all of you about how you feel about this story, how you feel about artificial intelligence in general, I do want to mention again that this is supported by viewers and listeners like you. So please do check out the links below or memberships or super chats and or subscribe and just tell your friends that we're here. And I also wanted to fulfill the promise that I made earlier to talk about what's in our shop that we just updated this last week, including themes like holidays where we've got Holiday Gaming Dino in a cute little hat and uh, with a cute little sweater and with different colored uh, scales on his back. I don't know how he does that just for Christmas, I guess. We've got mugs, we've got hats, we've got long sleeve tees, we've got all sorts of good stuff in the shop if you're interested in any of that. We also, as promised, have the new Cozy Panda merch. Cozy Panda is a brand new creation of my daughter's, a friend of Gaming Dino's, I'm led to understand, that can be found on sweatshirts and stickers and mugs, just like Gaming Dino himself. And also, if you missed it earlier this year when we were doing the charity fundraiser for my hospitals that helped me recover from my stroke, we brought back the Reasonable Hearts Can Save paraphernalia here, as well as the Jeff as Real merchandise. If you're interested in those, these funds will still be going to donate money to the hospitals that helped save my life earlier this year. And please do check those out if you are interested. Thank you so much to everybody that's listened to this video and hung out with me today. And now let's hear from your thoughts. Can I make the panda bigger, asks Traveling Science Man. Can I make it bigger on the screen? Uh, probably. Sorry. There's there's Cozy Panda. It's got a sweater and a, uh, and a scarf. It's very cozy. Cozy Panda. I hope that is helpful. Robbie Dobby says Cozy Panda looks very comfy and is so adorable. Yep. Does look comfy. My, my, my daughter loves comfiness, loves cute animals, as you can probably tell. What does Jeff think of Jeff is real? Jeff is a big fan. He actually sent me a picture of him wearing the shirt uh, and looks really pumped about it. Uh, maybe we'll get permission to share that with you all, but he is very excited about that. Aaron says, super cute. Your daughter is very talented. She is so, so talented. She's amazing. Hilsey T asks a question. Hey, question. Adam D'Angelo developed a product competing with GPT Builder, so almost certainly pushed for the coup. How has this weasel managed to remain on the board? I can't speak to him as an individual. I did read some stories about him having uh, with Quora a, a competing application with the chat GPT dev side of things. So I understand 
what your concerns would be. He's independent in the sense that he doesn't have an equity interest in OpenAI. I'm not sure he's a weasel or not, but I certainly understand why you might come to that conclusion. I think he's probably the one most invested in the space and was the most willing to continue with the role on the board, right? It's not just that everybody might have wanted to stay on the board. It's that you need somebody from the old board to represent what the thought process and conversations were of that old board. And that old board's also concerned about getting sued or having legal litigation brought against it. And so you want somebody to at least cover the old thoughts and discussions of the board on that board. And probably no one was really willing to do it, right? We saw that we saw that tweet from one of the old board members that said it last week in sleep. They've been working all weekend to get done what has happened over the last five days. And this is one of the reasons why you don't see super dramatic uh, succession style board meetings that you see on HBO shows, right? Is that all the stuff that happens legally and in the press and in the public afterwards is a lot more impactful than those shows might suggest. And it's not all done in a vacuum. And I suspect that most of the board was ready to be done with it. And Mr. D'Angelo was either willing to continue or didn't want to be done with it. And so I'm not sure that's weaselly, but it is potentially self-interested. And that's certainly something that future stakeholders in OpenAI might want to take a look at. That's part of why I think the board is going to be nine people in the future, right? Is that you don't have one person, even if they have an interest in the space. And in general, it's one of the conversations you always have with a tech startup is that you want board members that know the space because that's where you get the value from the board, but you also don't want them to be so invested in the space that they have other interests that are competing with the company that they're a board member of. And fiduciary duty protects against that from a stockholder perspective. It doesn't protect against it as well in that non-for-profit structure. So thank you for the question. I really appreciate it. There's also a cozy panda mug. There is, it's just off to the side here. I don't think I can grab it. Cozy Panda Mug. What happened with Waffle Bear, asks Don. Waffle Bear still exists, has not joined the store. You know, it's constant negotiations. You talk about high-level management negotiations with my daughter. She is a very good uh, curator of her works and what she wants to share on the store or otherwise. And Cozy Panda was what she wanted up on the store right now, and that's what we put up to be gaming dino's friend. Oh, what about other not-for-profit forums? Sure. Ever, different jurisdictions have different trusts and various ways that you can have not-for-profits and have different structures. I personally, and again, I'm, I'm at least somewhat biased on this as a corporate lawyer myself, think that the profit motivation, while scary for some, is useful from the legal perspective because you have people that are interested, that have their own fiduciary responsibilities like Microsoft's management to its shareholders that can then get into a legal fight that the legal system can protect in a way that others don't, right? A not-for-profit being dependent on the attorney general or judges to go and take things into trust or require dissolutions or things like that isn't going to be the same level of protection as private actors. Now, in the same breath, others could argue with me and say the private actors are not going to be interested in the benefit of humanity in potentially the same way as the justice system. But I think here in this space and then the rest of the lawyers on YouTube, you can tell that the justice system is not in and of itself this beacon of light absent of all incentives and in politics that we might hope it to be. So I think that trusting attorneys general and politics and things like that to protect in that non-for-profit form 
which they would have to without profit incentives and profit protections from the legal system, is probably not the best way to go about it. See Dan Ron, random update about a nonprofit. Amber is still ambassador for the ACLU. No surprise, her bio on their site makes no mention of her trial loss. That's that's probably true. That's that's Amber Heard from Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. Uh, Ardo asks, is that scarf made of bamboo and silk? I want one. It looks so good on the panda. You know, I haven't asked what the materials of the scarf are for my daughter. I will I will ask about that, Ardo. Absolutely. Robbie Dobby asks. My husband wanted to know if there will be any regular sizes for the brains hoodies in black. Currently, the only only color choice is white in those sizes. We will take a look at it. We are always open to hearing from you all about what it is that you want to see in that store. We are, of course, a small store, and co-counsel is constantly looking at what goes into that store and looking for colors and sizes, and we will absolutely check those out. But if you contact her either on Twitter or certainly she's watching this video right now, we will try to get you what you want in the store, certainly. Loretta says, kind of late, but glad to see you all. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in chat, watching this on replay. Maybe happy Thanksgiving yesterday. Maybe you're already watching the Michigan Wolverines beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. I appreciate that. I look forward to that future on Saturday. If you're doing that, happy Thanksgiving to you. If it's going the other direction, I'm, I'm very sorry, and it's not my fault. My baffled brain says, no question. Just wanted to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving with a maple leaf emoji. Thank you, my baffled brain. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Rainman YYC, thank you so much for gifting Hoglaw memberships. I really appreciate that. That is so supportive of the channel. Thank you so much. Jackson Bookmite, hey Hog, do you know anything about the Attorney General contacting the Opening Eye Board? I still wonder if that helped make the deal happen. I don't know anything about specifics there, but it is the kind of thing that can help drive a deal like this, as you saw in the Reuters article. Attorneys General have very broad authority to just say. This isn't the way that this should be handled at your company, and we can take away your not-for-profit status. We can require you to dissolve change in some other way, and because of that power, they can lean on a board to do these kinds of things. I don't know because immediately after Sam Altman's firing, reports started coming out that the board was looking to bring him back, so I can't tell you whether or not that had any effect, but it is a possibility. Nishay Jones says, I'm not a big fan of AI, especially in creative tools. Coughs, Adobe, coughs, sure. I understand that, and I think there are reasonable discussions to be had around the internet and around the world about what creative AI should do, what it should look like. I think there are good use cases and there are bad use cases, like most things, but I certainly understand folks that don't love it. Mrs. Hoglaw is in the chat talking with folks about questions and concerns about the stores, so please do Ping her if you're interested in anything specific about the store. I like Newt saying Cozy Panda is certainly so cute. We do love Cozy Panda in the house. Gaming Dino, Cozy Panda. It's quite a family of animals we're going to have at the end of things, I think. LCT, did I miss the Halloween product of reasonable brains in jars? Disagreeing. You know, we didn't have a Halloween product of brains in jars. We thought that was perhaps a little bit not what we wanted to go, given the Sears events in particular. But I do, I do thank you for the idea. Nishay Jones says, thanks for keeping me company on the tra. I think that's probably train. I'm happy to keep you company. I love having these conversations with everybody in this space. Thank you so much. 
Mrs. Hoglaw says, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We are so thankful for you. You have no idea. I've said it before. I said it as part of my stroke series, but so many well wishes, so many notes, so many kind words while I was in the hospital really helped make my recovery possible. So thank you so much to the whole community. Have a great Thanksgiving. I couldn't possibly tell you thank you enough. Robbie says he gets complimented on his brains hat wherever he goes. Mrs. Hoglaw, I have the t-shirt. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I, brains is a great hat. I think I said I, I wore my brains hat to see my brain surgeon the other day who didn't comment on it, but that might be just because they're used to seeing brains. Vintage Well, thank you for being a member for 15 months. Thankful for Hoga and this community. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Thank you, Vintage Willow. I really appreciate it. MZ says a wild five days indeed. In my opinion, triggered not so much by petty jealousies, but more by certain OpenAI board members perceiving Sam Altman's choices as veering away a bit from their original mission. I think that's another way to read it, certainly. And, and one of the reasons why you might include that paragraph in the original statement about the mission of the not-for-profit OpenAI Inc. And that is to say that Sam Altman, as a serial entrepreneur, as a person that was going out and raising funds, may be a little bit uncomfortable for the more scientific-minded or more not-for-profit organizing forces at the company, which is that if you've ever been involved in a company raising money, you can also often get into a place where it's just like, wow, I'm not even sure we want to be this big. I'm not sure we want to move this fast. And it's possible that the board could have looked at Sam Altman and, and had that be their realization. But again, usually what you would do is you'd say, we've got concerns, deliver a report to us on these things. We'll have another meeting next month or what have you and not fire him immediately. So that's one of the reasons why Microsoft reacted the way they did is it's just not the way things are done in general. What happens to Altman and Brockman and Microsoft now? I suspect the Sunday meetings were agreements in principle, handshake agreements, uh, and that they will not be on Microsoft's employee lists anytime soon. They're gonna continue working with OpenAI and Satya Nadella going out in his interviews and saying, we don't really care where they are as long as they're happy is indicative of the fact that they're not moving on to Microsoft, I don't think. Carolyn Whistler says, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the terms that could release a performer from a contract with the stadium considering what happened with Taylor Swift in Rio. I don't know what happened with Taylor Swift in Rio, so I would have to look into that, Carolyn, but I will absolutely. Certainly if there's some problems with safety at a given performance venue, those contracts would be entered into to allow for someone to back out. But because of the amount of money that's involved in a concert, and especially one like the Taylor Swift concerts, I would expect that those contracts have been very closely negotiated. So I, I can't speak to it specifically, but I don't know what happened there, so I apologize for that. Hilsey T says, I have to apologize. I only just now realized how that might be interpreted poorly really was meant as a joke. I, oh, oh no, I didn't interpret it poorly. I'm just joking around with you at the same time. I, hey, we've got merch in the store that says brains on it. That was happening before anything that happened this year. So no worries at all, Hilsey T. As co-counsel says, and I've experienced this all year, thank you seems so insufficient. It does. You guys helped save my life, no doubt. So thank you, definitely. And you will be mentioned at Thanksgiving in the Hogue House. Judy, you got this. Hogue, can you talk about the wisdom and pitfalls of having a married couple on the board of not-for-profits? I mean, this is the same as kind of founder-led companies, which is to say there are the pitfalls of having a personal relationship in any kind of professional capacity where you have some obligations that exist outside that personal relationship, whether that's at a profit company where you've got shareholder motivations, you've got fiduciary duties to those shareholders or at a non-for-profit where you still have to abide by the mission of the group, the bylaws, whatever rules the bylaws say for how you are to operate. And that competing, conflicting 
with how your married spouse might otherwise treat the same kind of situation brought before them is a problem, right? I always caution clients about having personal relationships in governance levels of the companies that they're operating. Oftentimes founders are spouses of companies that they start. And I always have to warn them to say, all right, this is a potential problem. This can lead to potential personal problems as well as professional problems with legal liability on the hook. And also you should think about what to do if there's a deadlock, right? So the problem with married couples, if it's just the two of you, is that if it's one-to-one, -one, we need a way to sort that out. And we probably need to figure that out before it happens. So one of you needs to decide that the other gets a double vote or their vote just wins in a deadlock situation or else bad things can happen at the corporate governance level. So I would say it can be done, but you have to have difficult discussions first and foremost if you're going to do it that way. I recommend against it as a general rule, but I have seen people succeed with spouses and other close family members in governance capacities with them. And so it's really a question of your situation, how your relationships exist, what it is that we're talking about, what kind of company we're running, and what it is that we can do from a legal perspective. But I would never recommend kicking that question down the road because by the time things are bad, they're really bad if you haven't thought about how they should be handled beforehand. Friends, I have to go watch TV with the Hoaglings. Oh darn, please message me on X if you need shop help or email me through the shop. Happy to help if I can. Thank you and have a great week, says co-counsel. Thank you, co-counsel. Sardinism says, today I learned that yawned is a valid word with the same meaning as yawn. I've never used yawned. Maybe I'll add that. You're gonna have another archaic term that I get criticized for in Hogue House. Just because, thank you always for all you do. This year I've been diagnosed with migraines and got them down from six a week to one or two and identified a bunch of triggers. I am so happy to hear that just because absolutely. We're coming up on the one year anniversary of my stroke and I don't know what I'm going to do for that exactly, but I'm thinking I might do a video that again talks about the things you should look out for, the blood pressure uh, items and things that I wish I had known in advance uh, to talk about with all of you all. And, and migraines and headaches that I certainly had in December of last year were part of that. Hopefully you don't have those issues, but please do stay ahead of your blood pressure. Check those out with your primary care physician if you haven't already. Uh, and I'm very thankful for the kind words and for being able to converse with all of you on these topics. Midnight Fury, thank you for being a member for 15 months. Happy Thanksgiving to all. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Midnight Fury. So grateful to see how wonderful Hogue is doing today. I'm very happy to be here. I continue to get better, I think, every day. And it's, it's hard to do what I used to do, but I want to keep doing it. And that's what helps drive me forward. Claude Simeon says, Sardinism is too many words. I think only words I recognize should be words. Otherwise, I have to learn new things. Smiley face emoji. Learning new things is great, Claude Simeon. That is one of the best things that you can do in the world. M. Davis, one site correction. While California does not allow non-compete clauses, companies can sue other companies for tortious interference when they target to hire large numbers of employees from other companies. Sure, absolutely. Tortious interference still exists in California. And yes, this is not legal advice either direction, and I'm not a California lawyer, but what I can tell you is, is that most tech companies because tech lives in the expertise and knowledge base of the people that work at their companies, will have non-competition clauses in their contracts that prevent folks from going and giving that knowledge base to a competitor within the space. And that doesn't apply in California because California says non-competition clauses are, are void for public policy. We don't like them as a rule in the politics of California. And so, yes, you can, you can sue for tortious interference. If Microsoft had, for instance, a paper trail that suggested that they caused all of this in order to go and get 500 employees from OpenAI, which I, certainly doesn't seem to be the case from anything that's happened. 
But if you could show that that's what happened, you would have a claim for what is a tort, what is essentially a violation of the civil agreements between OpenAI and its employees by another third party that knows that they exist and wants to take them and seize the opportunity from those employees against OpenAI. That, that does exist, and that's a good correction, M. Davis. I appreciate it. Um, but certainly, as we say in virtual legality, as we say in Hangouts and Headlines, none of this is legal advice. Don't take any of this as legal advice. If you've got legal questions specific to your circumstance, contact your own local counsel, definitely. Draxon Bookmite, oh, well, no need to respond, but this is my first live experience on YouTube. Thanks for answering my question. I'll definitely be here again. It was a blast. Thank you, Draxon Bookmite, for being here. I really appreciate it. Carolyn Wister says, a fan sadly passed due to heat stroke at the Rio Taylor Swift concert, and there were some other heat-related issues and fans not being allowed to bring in water. It's a lot. Yeah, I imagine that is a lot. Um, so I think I was answering a slightly different question, which is safety concerns that might have Ms. Swift back out. The extent that she would have liability for the venue, I don't think so. Generally speaking, you'd indemnify each other for what you control. Um, but I can't speak to that more specifically. It would all be handled in contract. Coparistic, have you been following the Pac-10 schools leaving and the two remaining schools in the legal battle for control of the conference? I have been following it insofar as I can. The only, the only things that I know right now is that the two schools are in control of the conference as it stands, but were I think that decision was stayed by one of the state Supreme Courts. So I, I, I watch it from afar. I don't know enough about the specifics of the bylaws of the Pac-10. Obviously, the Big Ten and Michigan have had their own legal wranglings that I've covered over the past couple of weeks, but I do think it's very interesting to see what happens when you have a 12-team group have 10 of those people leave and whether or not the two that remain should be fully in charge of the finances and things. And these are things that I think that the people leaving should have thought about beforehand. So I'm generally of a belief that the legal perspective should, should protect the folks that stayed, but I don't know enough about the language in the contracts themselves to be able to speak on that more specifically. Traveling Science Band says, shout out to Mrs. Hogloff for helping out Hogue. Oh, she's the best. None of this would be happening in the store without her. She's amazing on all of that. And as Against the Tide, who is fantastic, also says, liking, subscribing, sharing, re-watching, and commenting on this stream helps a lot in helping the channel, and it doesn't cost anything. Everything that YouTube sees is an interaction, comments, uh, button presses, views. All of that helps YouTube pay attention to us and make sure that they know that we still exist, which has been... A little bit of a trick this year as we've taken our volume down significantly from last year, but we still want to have these conversations with all of you in this space. Uh, Judy, you got this. Hogue, thank you for your insights. Hashtag shrimp fried rice, I think. So thank you so much, Judy. I really appreciate that. I hope it was insightful. I thought this was a very interesting story that had a lot of twists and turns that even I wanted to kind of piece together what happened over the last five days in a way that I thought would be useful to me and useful, useful to you. I hope it was, definitely. Hey, Hedinger, some of us love the archaic verbiage. Yeah, I, I tend to. I, I have a lot of archaic language that uh, my wife calls out when I'm at home. Cheryl C., thank you for being a member for 10 months. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I'm very thankful for you, and I'm thankful for you being a member. Thank you so much. Jen K., thank you. Thankful that you are here. I'm thankful you are here, Jen K. Kelsey T, what's the viability of a tortious interference claim targeted at a 49% owner of the originating company? Just as viable as anything else, the, the ownership here, the, the stakeholderness in the profit arm of the company wouldn't protect them, I wouldn't think. 
But none of that is likely to happen in this particular case because all of Microsoft's involvement seems to be ending as OpenAI keeps Sam Altman and their employees at the company. So the chances are low because there was no interference, as it turns out. Kansas Tide says, y'all better make sure to check out BitCast on Sunday if you want to laugh. We do have fun on the BitCast. I love the, I love doing the BitCast. Do check it out on Season Gaming or here on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. As Quilter says, thankful for Team Hogue. I am so thankful for all of you. I really, really appreciate all of you, especially this year, but all year. I, I'm so thankful for folks coming on here. We've got more than 250 people watching right now, hanging out with us, talking about things like AI and the Pac-10 slash Pac-12. It's a mess. I'm in Oregon, so yeah. Marissa says, I still watch Lawyers and Dragons sometimes. Yeah, I love Lawyers and Dragons. Makes me laugh all the time. Love hanging out with my friends playing games. Sardism says, hey, I found a clue in the New York Times crossword. It might be buried. It's because of you I could answer L-E-D-E, lead. Yes, I think some of you may have heard this story, but when you're in cognitive tests after a stroke, you often have to name things with letters that people say uh, forth and, and otherwise unscramble things. And I said lead, L-E-D-E. And both my wife and my therapist were like, I think you spelled it wrong. I'm like, no, no, no. Like the, like the starting point of a news article. Uh, and they looked it up on me in the room. It was very sad, but it was also great. Newt, hashtag Team Hogue totally rocks. They sure do. They, they are the best. I do not feel worthy of it being the name of the team, but I am so thankful for all of you. Vintage Willow says, speaking of BitCast, I just got my first VR set and have been rocking out Beat Saber. Did you know that Beat Saber was assigned to me in occupational therapy in order to test my arm versatility and to keep it growing strong. So definitely keep playing Beat Saber, recommended by official therapists of Team Hogue. Uh, and VR, virtual reality, is one of my favorite things. It's one of the reasons why this is called virtual legality is because I am deeply interested in the future of virtual reality. So I hope you are loving it, Vintage Willow. Thank you so much. And I think we're going to leave on this one. Kelly says, hope you enjoy all your celebrations. Love to you, Mrs. Hogue and the Hoaglings. They are fantastic. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. I am so thankful for all of you. And thank you so much for being here for this video. I will see you on the next Hangouts and Headlines, Virtual Legality, or whatever else we put up on the channel. I really appreciate it, and I will see you soon.